Amen. Well, thanks, team. I'm really, really grateful for these folks that come and lead us into the presence of the Lord as we worship. Listen, I said I want to mention uh, moms. So if you are here today, I'm going to do something different because not every mom can conveniently or easily stand up. So if you're a mom, just let us see your hand for a minute because we want to recognize you. Thank you so much. Come on. Uh, we really, really are grateful for you. It's a huge huge task that God has given to you, and we are greatly, greatly honored. And listen, I'm, I'm going to pray uh, over you in just a minute, but I want to acknowledge, as I will in my prayer, that there are those here today who are struggling with today, right? Because they want to be a mom, or you have perhaps recently lost your mom in the last year or so. Uh, just uh, a good friend of mine put on their Facebook page this morning, this is their first Mother's Day without their mom here. And so this can be a hard day too, and we want to we love on you and uh, care for you. So uh, flowers are available for you as you go. But let me pray for you before we get underway this morning. Father in heaven, Thank you so much for the way that you have created the family. In your great wisdom, you have uh, designed a man and a woman to come together and have children and raise a family, and you have given us the pleasure and the privilege of having moms. Lord, we're so very grateful for each and every mother that's here this morning and, and who is perhaps listening along as we go today. Lord, these are... These are women of God who love you and who want to honor you and want to sacrifice, and they do so often sacrifice so much for their children. And we are really grateful for them today, Lord, and I pray that you would encourage their hearts. And as we uh, seek to honor them today in a particular way, I ask God that you would uh, lift them up and encourage them and remind them of the, the special place, the, uh, the important task that is theirs. And so we're really grateful. And Lord, I do want to remember others uh, who want to be a mom and just uh, in your providence and your sovereignty, that has not yet happened for them or uh, others who have uh, lost a child or lost their mother this past year. Lord, this can sometimes be a day of struggle and, and uh, uh, kind of tension for them. They love and appreciate their own mom, but uh, there are struggles they're having or whatever it is. So I pray your comfort and encouragement for them, that you would minister to them. Thank you, Father, for those uh, among our church family who are spiritual moms, who have come alongside of so many uh, of us and have been part of the process of discipleship for us. So we're grateful for them as well. Lord, uh, you have you have done things well, as you always do, and in your wisdom, you have given us the joy of a, of a day to celebrate, Mom. So we do that today, and thank you for them all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I said we're going to begin, uh, or finish, I should say, this series called Now. And so if you are uh, relatively new to us, perhaps in the last few weeks, this is kind of coming out of Easter uh, we're going to be in John chapter 17 today. Uh, you'll find your way there. It is known, generally speaking, as Jesus' high priestly prayer. There's a lot of stuff in there I want to talk about. So while you're finding your way there, let me just mention a couple of things that uh, I would like for you to remember. One, uh, men, if you are uh, free Saturday morning, we're having our annual men's cornhole event at our Yorktown campus. It's a big crowd. They have uh, I've never heard the phrase before, so I'm going to give credit to them as coining the phrase, the boss of the toss, okay? So uh, we've got uh, people there that have, man, they are serious. They show up and they practice. They're there an hour before the, the competition starts, 
just zeroing in their toss, and uh, I just watch and cheer. But uh, so if you're free, I think it starts at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning, and it goes just pretty much all morning. So it'll be a good time, and uh, you come for that. We are going to have a local uh, community connect outreach that is coming this Saturday also here to our campus. Uh, our missions director, Joey Harris, and his family will be with them just here, here in our parking lot, providing uh, a lunch for people. If you'd like to come and meet some folks that might uh, be along, might visit, come on and do that. That would be uh, a great, great thing. Uh, and then wave camp. So kids, we are getting underway with our children's ministry. And uh, man, we've had as many as 20 some kids here. Uh, and uh, so we're excited about that. And we have wave camp across coastal. Uh, ours is going to be the end of June. You can get information on that at gocoastal.org forward slash summer events. We would love for you to get registered. And Marcus is going to want you to volunteer. So you can talk to him and he will be happy uh, to uh, give you some information on how you can do that. All right. Listen, let's get underway. I wonder if you've thought much about, uh, about what Jesus is doing now. Sometimes uh, in our desire to highlight the most important thing that ever happened, which of course is the resurrection, sometimes I feel like perhaps we, we minimize what Jesus is still doing. He's still very active, all right? Uh, uh, last week, Pastor Andrew was here, talked about the fact that he is preparing a place for us, that's going to be amazing, right? And uh, so we're super excited to, today to talk about what he's doing in terms of prayer. He is interceding for us, the Bible tells us. It's really interesting to me because when people say to me, you know, I'm praying for you, I, of course, always say thank you. But every once in a while, I'd like to say, what exactly are you praying? And I have people, I have people in my life. I went to lunch uh, with one of our church leaders here the other day, and he said, how can I pray for you? And our prayer leaders uh, have, have asked me, how can I pray for you? And I love that. I love when people are specific. Wouldn't you love to know, if, if Jesus is praying for us, wouldn't it be cool to know what exactly is he praying? Well, you're in luck because John 17 enumerates several of the things Jesus is praying for us. Now, I know it's Mother's Day, so I'm going to do my best not to run long, but I also have a five-point message today instead of three. So I'm going to try and uh, zip along here, but these are all really, really important because they're what's on the heart of Jesus, right? This is what, what is described as his high priestly prayer. He's talking to God the Father and saying, here are the things that are important to me regarding the children that you have given to me. So if it's important to Jesus, it ought to be important to us. And I love that we can know what he is praying for us. So let's begin in John chapter 17 and verse 9. I am praying for them. This is Jesus. He's, we're jumping into the middle of his prayer. But I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in that particular verse, but this is what Jesus is praying for you. If you're a child of God by faith in Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus and repented of your sin and believed the gospel and you are a follower of Jesus, these are the things Jesus says, I'm praying this for them, not for those who have not taken that step yet, but for my children, the ones you have given to me. Verse 10, 
All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. First thing Jesus prays for is our unity. We live in a society that is probably as fractured as I've ever seen it in all my days. We live in a society that if we don't not just come to the same conclusions, not just think similarly, if we don't word things exactly the way we're supposed to word them, we cut people off, right? Jesus says, I'm praying for my children that they would be unified. Why? As we are one, Jesus says. This is about the unity of God, right? One of the most important things that we know, one of the things we hold as among our eight essentials of doctrine here at Coastal is the Trinity. The fact that there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. No, I probably can't explain that to your satisfaction. It's, it's a little beyond us, right? But it's the truth that God talks about. And Jesus is addressing it here. What's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. We are one. God is one. He is a unity. Jesus is God. He's not just a great teacher. In fact, he would not be a very good teacher if he claimed to be God and wasn't actually, right? That doesn't make you a great teacher. That makes you crazy. Jesus is one with God. Nothing distinguishes them except their personhood, who they are. And so they have taken on different roles, different responsibilities. Jesus came and gave his life for us, but it's rooted in the unity of God. And it's connected to the care of God. Keep them, which is watch over them. Please keep your eye on them in your name, in keeping with God's reputation. So all throughout the Old Testament, we heard phrases like, Lord, uh, because of your name, would you do this? Because God made promises to his people. And throughout the Old Testament, the prophets and the, the people who led Israel always prayed to God, do this for the sake of your name, which throughout the Old Testament had to do with reputation. God, Jesus is saying to God, keep them, watch over them for the sake of your reputation. Uh, my, my wife, in, in case you have noticed, those of you who know us well, perhaps noticed she's not here. She only left me temporarily, and it's nothing bad. <laughs> she and our girls are gone. They left on Thursday, and they're coming back Tuesday night and having a whole girls' weekend, Mother's Day weekend. It's really fun. I'm glad they get to go. And uh, so my son called me a few weeks ago and said, hey, can I bring Parker, which is my grandson, up for a couple of days while they're gone because his wife is in on this trip. I said, no, I would really hate that if you would. <laughs> um, so, so they came. And little two-year-old Parker's been just running around our house like a standard two-year-old uh, for the last couple of days. We watch him, right? We watch over everything he's doing. 
We pay attention. My house isn't quite as childproofed as probably theirs is. And we have dogs, and he brought a couple. So it was like a kennel with a few people thrown in this weekend. <laughs> it was awesome if you love commotion. But, I mean, he, Parker was the center of our attention because we watched over him. We went, of course, to Bass Pro and walked around there. We just we followed Parker around Bass Pro <laughs> wherever he went because he didn't want to hold anybody's hand. He just wanted to go. Jesus says to our Father, watch over them for the sake of your name and reputation. And what was his purpose in that? Unity. In order that they may be one. In fact, he elaborates on that a little later. Let me just jump down and read beginning in verse 20. I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe me through their word. So that is literally us, right? If we've trusted in Jesus. That they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Let me stop there. There are a lot of that's in that section, right? I'm praying this that. I'm praying this so that. There's purpose behind that word. The purpose of God, the purpose of God watching over us, the purpose of all of that was so that we would be unified and so that the world would know that Jesus came from God. So that God's watching over us so that we can be unified, and that's happening so that the world can know the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done. Our unity, our oneness directly impacts the cause and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. In order that the world may believe. In the culture in which we live, where you have to say everything exactly the way the loudest voice has said it, or you are canceled, or whatever other thing happens to you, what stands out most is a group of people who can actually not agree on every detail of everything and still love each other like family. Fascinating, right? God wants us to be unified. We don't have to agree on every detail, but we know how to disagree on details and still embrace each other as brothers and sisters in Jesus. He prays for our unity. The first thing on his mind is our unity. Listen, if you've been around Coastal for long, you know we talk about that. In fact, in the things that we say, this is what we expect of our members and our leadership. It says, I will work for the unity of my church. It's important to us because it's important to God that we be unified. It's fascinating to me. I have a lot of connections with, with friends who are on the mission field. And there's way less denominationalism and disagreement and arguments on the mission field because you're just happy to find another follower of Jesus to work with when you're there, right? There are places in the world where, man, okay, we accept. There are some things that are going to distinguish us 
from each other, but man, can we just come and pray together? Can we love each other? Can we care for each other? Because we need somebody else who knows Jesus. Our unity was important to him. Second thing he prays for is in verse 13, and it is for our joy. Jesus wants us to have joy, but not just any old joy. His, now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus wants us to experience joy. What was Jesus' joy based on? Was it because his life was just really cool because he got to do miracles and he got to do all this stuff? I mean, if you've studied the life of Jesus, and I know many of you have for a long time, you know that by and large, Jesus' life was not all about the miracles and all that stuff. In fact, it was by and large a lot about rejection and suffering. So how did he have joy? Well, this is what the writer to the Hebrews described as it relates to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, which I think is on the screen. Ah, oh, there it is. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who... For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus maintained joy in his life, not because everything was great all the time, but because he looked to what was ahead. He endured what was now with joy in mind of what was ahead. What is joy? Joy is fundamentally me being uh, convinced that God is active and being glorified in my life. That's joy. Happiness depends on what? Happenings. Happiness depends on circumstances. Happiness depends on what's taking place. It always makes me just a little nervous when I preach like this because I did this at one church and, you know, went this whole thing about joy and then happiness is all on happenings and I went out afterwards and I was a visiting preacher so I had to drive a little ways and the truck wouldn't start because the battery was dead. I'm like, really? <laughs> Things happen that affect our happiness. It goes up, it goes down, it's average, it's whatever, Right? Joy can be maintained because we look to what God has in store. We look to the future. We look to the hope that is ours in Jesus. That's the kind of joy Jesus wanted for us. He left us peace, right? He, that's what he told his disciples in John 14. Not the kind that the world gives. A different kind of peace that's settled. And it's related to this joy that Jesus wants for us. It's it's rooted in the sovereignty of God. Knowing that God's in charge, God is leading, God knows what he's doing, and I can trust him. Therefore, I can have joy. So Jesus prays for our unity and for our joy. Thirdly, he's praying for our protection. John 17 and verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. Just as I'm not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. 
but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Protect them. I suppose you've noticed the world around us, perhaps particularly, eh, not particularly our culture, the world, the world system hates nonconformity. If you don't fall in line, if you don't agree with what are probably the loudest voices, not necessarily the most numerous ones, people hate it. It's not just like, oh, that's frustrating. It's hatred, right? But it's not a request to escape. That's very interesting to me. Because i got to be honest, there's a part of me that when I pray for my grandson, I pray that God would protect him from things. When I pray for my kids, I, I ask God to protect them from things. Jesus asks, asks God to protect us in the stuff. I don't ask that you'll take them out of the world, but that you'll protect them from the evil one. I really liked what this was, so it's a, it's a little bit longer, but hang on, I want to read this for you. In the common way of configuring things, the starting place is our unfortunate condition of being in this world. And our mission, it appears, is not to be of it. So the force is moving away from the world, Rats, we're frustratingly stuck in this old world, but let, let's marshal our best energies not to be of it. No doubt, the writer says, there's, that's an emphasis that's sometimes needed, but he asks this question, isn't something else essential being downplayed when that's how we view it? He said, Jesus is not of the world, and he begins by saying his followers are not of the world, but that's going somewhere. It begins there. But it's going somewhere. Jesus isn't huddling up the team, he says, for another round of kumbaya. <laughs> but so that we can run the next play and advance the ball down the field. We'll pick it up again, he says, in verse 18, which we will. But don't miss the surprising prayer of verse 15. I don't ask that you take them out, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus isn't asking his father for his disciples to be taken out of the world, but praying for them as they're sent into the world. He begins with them being not out of the world and prays as they are sent into it. Interesting perspective, right? We start with we're not of the world. We know that. But we're being sent there. It's not we're stuck here and we're trying to get out. It's we're here and we're not from here, but we're being sent here for a reason. Mm, mm, mm. I love that. Protect them from the evil one. That's Satan and what he wants to accomplish in your life. Jesus is praying for your protection. Number four, he's praying for your sanctification. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctification simply means to be set apart. It's really got two meanings in Scripture, right? Set apart, something that belongs specifically to God. Set apart for his will, for his service, for his use. 
And sanctification has to do with holiness, with becoming more like Jesus. And so there are these twin things. Jesus is praying, oh God, would you set them apart for your use by your word. That's why we study this a lot. It's why we give our attention to the scriptures. Because learning how to be reserved for the use of God, learning how to walk in holiness and righteousness comes from knowing the Bible. It doesn't come from majority opinions, because we all know they shift, right? Even over the course of a couple of centuries in our nation, they have shifted, and worldwide they're shifting all the time. Every culture, every group has a different opinion of how should we be functioning. Jesus says, Set them apart, make them holy by your truth, by your word. Your word is truth. So the process is we get into the word, the word changes how we think, which then changes how we live. If you ever come to me for counseling, whether I announce how it works or not, this is what the process will be. We're figuring out what are the things that are, that are causing stress for you. What's the heat? What's, what's showing up? We're going to go from below that to, to the actions. What are the, what are the things that either you've done or somebody else has done that's contributing to these things you're struggling with up here? And then we're going to go below that to the thinking process. What is the thinking that makes me act the way I'm acting? What is the thinking that makes me react to what someone else is doing? Then we're going to filter that thinking through the scriptures, then we're going to reverse it. And we're going to take a new rejuvenated way of thinking, which has come through the word of God, and we're going to then find that that changes how we function and how we react. That's going to result in a different set of feelings and awarenesses, right? It's a longer process than usual, but it's the one that sticks. I want you to think about something really, really important. Jesus doesn't say, your word is true. He said, your word is truth. If Jesus had said, your word is true, he would have been appealing to another authority. Your word matches up to what truth is. Your word is true, and we know that Because what? Because there is this truth in the world. He doesn't say that. He says your word is truth, which means everything else answers to the Bible. This is truth. This is where we have the source and the standard of what is true. It's in the word of God, which is why... We cannot waver on some things that are simply true because they're in line with the scriptures. And if something's not in line with the scriptures, it isn't true no matter what the majority thinks, right? Truth is truth, and it's found in the word of God. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He's praying for our sanctification. So unity, joy, protection, sanctification. And then the last thing that Jesus is praying about is in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. 
He's praying for our commissioning. We are not here to get through. It goes back to what he said. I do not pray that you'll take them out of the world, but that you'll protect them from the evil one. We're not here just to survive life. We are here because we have been sent here by God with a commission from Jesus. He has sent us into the world. God sent Jesus. I don't think we always spend much time thinking about what that meant, right? Jesus is God. Philippians 2 describes this whole process, right? He didn't consider staying in that condition something to be grasped, something to be hung on to. I mean, that's amazing, right? In heaven, everybody around you all the time worshiping you because you're God. He didn't stop being God when he came here. But Jesus experienced something very different here. He came to his own, John told us back in the first chapter of this same book, this same gospel, and his own did not receive him. They didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, the religious leaders of his people said, no, this, this can't be right. This isn't the guy. He constantly faced rejection and ultimately faced suffering and torture and death because he didn't consider hanging on to his position in heaven as something to grasp onto. No, he's there again. He never stopped being God, and he's back there now. In fact, he said that as he prayed, right? I'm not going to be here, but they still are. As you sent me, now I'm sending them. I can't, I can't look at those verses without thinking of Matthew 28, right? 19 and 20. Go. Jesus came to them and said, i got to back up and say this verse in verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So stop at verse 18 for a second. The authority of Christ is the foundation for what I do. I go in the authority of Jesus. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Everything that needs to have any source of authority is found in the person of Jesus. So when I go, I'm going in his authority. When I take the gospel to someone, I'm going in the authority of Jesus. When I talk to my kids or my parents or my siblings or somebody at work about Jesus, I don't have to be timid about that. I don't have to go and be brash and obnoxious or any of that, but I don't have to be timid or ashamed because I'm going in the authority of Jesus because he said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, go. Go into all the world. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the centrality of discipleship. Jesus sent us into the world to make disciples. He sent us into the world to win people to Jesus and help them grow in their likeness to Christ so they can win people to Jesus and help them grow in their likeness to Christ so they can win people to Jesus and help them grow in their likeness to Christ. It's why we have such a 
commitment and connection to discipleship here at Coastal because it is central to the plan of God. Go and make disciples. But I love that Jesus also promises as he sends us his own presence. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are not alone. Jesus has promised his presence. So he's, he's prayed for our unity, for our joy, and for our protection, and for our sanctification. And he prays to God regarding our commissioning because he said, you've sent me, I have sent them. So we go. It's a, it's a not just, uh, I just have to do this. We, we get to be the ambassadors for Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. Whatever it is that you're looking at, that you're frustrated about in the culture you live in, listen, God has put you here to make a difference in that. And Jesus is praying for you. What an amazing thing, right? I mean, I love when other people pray for me, but boy, this encourages my heart. I hope it does yours. So let me just have you take these thoughts with you. Rejoice in Jesus' prayers for you. Uh, Take a little time this afternoon. Read this thing through. Remember, these are the things that were on the heart of Christ. He loves you. He lifts you up before the Father in heaven. He continues. He lives forever to make intercession for us, the Bible says. Secondly, pursue Christ. These things come not because we have a list of things we get to add if we do all the right activities. These things come as we pursue Christ. He will grant us unity with each other. He will grant us joy in the journey even through the difficult times. He will grant us the opportunity to be sanctified, to grow in our likeness to Jesus. He will protect us from the evil one. And he will be with us personally as we go in our commissioning. So cooperate, cooperate with the process. Don't just be, you know, one of those, okay, you know, I'm stuck here in the world, so I might as well just be here, right? This is, this is the opportunity we have to be part of the solution to what God is doing in the world. Listen, I know, I totally get that God doesn't need me. I've had experiences in my life that have reminded me of that. That God doesn't need me, but he privileges me with the honor and the opportunity to be used by him to do what he could surely do more effectively with somebody else or by some other means. But he has sent me to wherever I am, He sent you to where you are. He has put you in that job you're in. As annoying as those coworkers are and as difficult as it is to live for Christ in your environment, Jesus has sent you there. And he is praying for God to protect you from the evil one while you're there and to make you more like Jesus because you're there and to help you demonstrate what it means to have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances or the home you live in or the 
physical circumstances you're facing, whatever it is, these are the prayers of Jesus for you. He is honored and pleased when you cooperate in the process. Walk with him, pursue Christ, love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Listen, we're going to uh, sing a song here in just a minute to close. The team's going to come back, but I just want to let you know, if you're here this morning, I know, it, I know it's Mom's Day, so uh, you may be trying to bug out quick, but uh, we're going to have prayer team members who will be happy to meet you down here at the front. They would love to pray with you. They would love to, to share whatever burden is on your heart, uh, to spend a little time trying to encourage you. So come on down here, talk to them. You don't have to, you know, nothing, nothing official or formal. Just come on while we're singing if you want and, and uh, come and talk to them. If you've never trusted in Jesus, you're not sure even what that exactly means to respond to the gospel, let them know. I got I to gotta figure that first step out that Pastor Dave was talking about. Uh, they will talk with you about that. They'll pray with you about it, whatever you need to do. But man, in the meantime, we're going to sing together. We're going to close with hearts that are thankful to God for who he is and what he has accomplished for us in Jesus and, and the fact that Jesus has sent us. All right, so I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. Father, I'm really grateful for the reality that Jesus is praying for me. It just is incredible to me. But he said, I'm not just praying for these that are standing right in front of me, those disciples that were there, but for all those who will believe on me through their witness. And I have believed, and so have so many of my brothers and sisters who are sitting here in this room right now. Those who are listening along uh, as we're uh, on our live stream or later to a recording. Lord, this is... This is the heart of Jesus to pray for his children. So I'm so thankful for that. I pray that you would bless as we go from this place into the world, not to be kept from it, but to be in it so that we can honor your name and lift you up and glorify you with all that we are. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.